Hello, folks. This is Chopping It Up with CJ. I'm your host, Chris James, and this is season two of the Chopping It Up with CJ podcast, episode five of Make Good Mondays. So generally what happens on Make Good Mondays is I assess the prior week's Turf Talk Thursday games. I go over, you know, the confidence scores that were tied to the over-under and the spread. I usually talk about, you know, some of the keys that happened, things that might have caused the victory or loss for a specific team, any storylines that are tied to that as well. But structured a little differently in this episode five of Make Good Mondays. Why? I didn't do a Turf Talk Thursday last week. I did one a couple of weeks ago and I did pretty well on it because I took into account, you know, I don't even know. I just did a lot better than I had weeks before. I had a plus score on it, uh, but I don't feel like going over something from two weeks ago. I'm going to do this week's games and I'm also going to look at the picks that I did. I still do straight up picks. I do that for uh, a, a group that I'm a part of and I do the straight up picks. And sometimes they match up pretty well with uh, the over-under. Well, I shouldn't say the over-under. Sorry about that. I mean the spread. So it's at least a reasonable facsimile of who I picked. And I can give you the offering of why I picked those particular teams. For those of you all who are either new to the show or just haven't followed me yet on Twitter. Twitter, Apparently I can't speak today. I am a little under the weather. I'm just recovering from a little bit of a respiratory infection. Uh, but go ahead and give me a follow. It's at CJ Florida nine. It's at CJ, the entire state of Florida spelled out in the number nine. And we're going to go ahead and jump into the show. I'm going to start with the Thursday game, move through the 1 p.m. slate on Sunday because we had a lot of 1 p.m. slate games, 4 p.m. And then the Sunday night game. I'm doing this on Monday, uh, November 7th at around 545 Eastern Standard Time, sitting here in lovely Charlotte, North Carolina. But starting with that Eagles-Texans game. Uh, the Eagles ended up winning 29-17 against the Texans on Thursday Night Football. I was actually up in the air at the time. And because of the new rules that they're using um, for those games, I was unable to see it because it wasn't on ESPN and it wasn't on like CBS or anything like that. I had to watch via uh, GameCast on ESPN. Um, but here's what I'll say about that game. I'll start with uh, what the spread was. And the fact that if you got the early line on it when it was 11, 11 and a half, uh, the Texans actually, I mean, the Eagles actually covered. I ended up getting bet up to 14, so you didn't get that one. This was a good game. The Texans did what the Texans have done all season long. They fought hard. Um, They're just not the most talented team on the planet. Uh, On the offensive side of the ball, it's a team in turmoil because, listen, you have a quarterback that's basically an NFL spot starter. A guy who can come in and win you a couple of games, but you can't build your franchise around him. And maybe he'll become that in his you know, lifetime. But given the nature of how things work and the fact that they'll be entering year three with uh, Davis Mills, uh, if they get a number one or two pick, I can almost assure you, especially if it's the number one pick, they're taking Bryce Young, uh, maybe C.J. Stroud. They get the second pick. And you still have Davis Mills on the team. He can still compete. And the good thing is he'll have a leg up because he will at least have the playbook in mind unless they do a coaching change on Lovey Smith, which I would hate to see after only one freaking season. Because uh, again, they play hard. It's just they lack talent to really hang with most of the teams in the NFL. And this doesn't mean they don't have talented players. They just don't have enough of them. They have an offensive weapon that I think they've tried to move Brandon Cooks. And okay, how about I'll start here? Because <sighs> this is one of the conversations that I want to have. When teams don't want to 
equitably work with other teams to make something happen, I realize immediately that that team is more spiteful than they are good. What do I mean by that? Brandon Cooks has a decent-sized salary. I do not have it in front of me, but I know he carries a decent-sized salary. Some other teams might not have been willing to take him considering he's had some injury issues over the last three or four years. And Brandon Cooks is slight of build compared to some of the other wide receivers. He's, what, 5'10", like 187, something like that, which just doesn't, he's not that big Megatron type, DK Metcalf type wide receiver. Not even a Jamar Chase at like a six foot, like 207 pounds. So with these things coming into mind, I would think that I would jettison this young man Give him the opportunity to go to a team. Maybe I absorb some of the salary or do a salary swap if necessary, a cap swap, as long as a team accompanied it with more picks. I try to, you know, for Brandon Cooks, I try to get, you know, from a good team, a second round pick and a, a sixth and seventh, or from a crappy team, a third, a fifth, and a seventh. Something like that, right? And by crappy, I just mean a team that's probably not going to win a lot of games. Chicago is an example. That's not that they're bad. They just aren't probably going to win more than like six or seven games this year, even though they'll be competitive. I'm saying all that because Houston didn't deal him. Brandon Cook's clearly upset. Didn't play this past week. I think it was injury related, but also um, probably a little bit of frustration. So they gave him a veteran day away. Uh, but again, I think it was more injury related than anything. I don't think Brandon Cook's the type of dude who'll just quit. But Houston needed to trade him. They needed to do right by a guy who's played his tail off in a situation that isn't ideal in Houston. What are you doing? I mean, I don't believe in tanking, but I believe in accruing assets and utilizing talent. You have other wide receivers. They actually played fairly well. And getting to this game, and I know I went off on a tangent here, but getting to this game specifically, Davis Mills wasn't really that bad. Um, When I saw the highlights afterwards, again, didn't get the full context of the game. He just doesn't seem like he's a high-level player. Again, some guys, they just need more talent around him. I didn't see that. It wasn't like a Trevor Lawrence or uh, Justin Fields or anyone like that. This is a guy who's limited. So, But he played as well as he could in that game. I mean, he did a pretty good job. He threw some solid passes, uh, some nice passes. Um, and his offense ran through Damian Pierce, who they're treating like a true bell cow back. On the other side, the Eagles, I'm not going to say it was disinterest. In fact, I'm going to give credit to the Texans. The Texans played good defense. They played good football. Um, It made things hard on an Eagles team that has much more talent from a depth perspective and just across the board than them. Jalen Hurts did the Jalen Hurts job, which was get my team to a victory. I know some people are probably upset about fantasy, expecting more points, all this and that and the other. No one cares. And I do fantasy football also. I care about W's for real life teams so unless a guy plays poorly I mean what what are you going to do I mean if they had blown out Houston let's say he probably would have had the same day and gotten pulled you see what I'm saying like it wasn't going to be a big fantasy day so at the end of the day I think this was a great win for the Eagles it was a win where they were able to assert themselves in the second half but they were challenged early road win which is always important especially on a short week And now they have more time for the upcoming slate um, and should be able to do a good job. I think the Eagles uh, next week are playing against the Commanders. Yeah, they're playing against Commanders on Monday night. Um, So they have a very long and extended week 
uh, of preparation against a commander's team that their defensive line is starting to get after, and Chase Young might be active for that game. All right, so we're going to move on to the 1 p.m. slate again. There was all the 1 p.m. games. This was a big bye week situation uh, for uh, teams. They had six teams off the Browns, the Cowboys, the Broncos, the Giants, the Steelers, and the 49ers were all on buys. Bymageddon is what some people call it um, when it comes to fantasy football. And as far as real football, what it did is it forced a lot of games, especially since there was a lot, uh, multiple West Coast teams, Broncos and the 49ers, being being off the slate, I think forced the hand of some of the late games that usually would exist were early games. So let's start with one early game that could have been flexed to late, but they did it with an early one. And that was the Chargers traveling out West to play the Falcons. Now we all know, I don't have the percentage exactly anymore. A couple of years ago, it was 26% winning percentage when a West Coast team traveled to an East Coast team for the early game. If you eliminated the Seattle Seahawks that had a winning record when doing so, which is an insane statistic. So I actually straight up took the Falcons to win a close one. Now, I didn't have anything saying close, but I took the Falcons straight up. Part of that was because of the matchup. Not only do you have the home team hosting, but you also have a situation where the home team can take advantage of the road team's scenario. The Chargers are historically bad as a run defense. Over the last two years, they've allowed more yards per carry than virtually any other squad over a two-year period. I think it's an average of 5.7 yards carry, which is insane. For context, if you hand the ball off, starting from your own, starting from your own 25-yard line, excuse me, 75 yards to go, you would need the equivalent of, I believe it's 13 carries to get into the end zone. Um, and you just keep doing it because you wouldn't get to a third down. That's basically how this is set up. That's that's not okay. That's not good, right? And the Falcons came out, and the Falcons were actually dominating the game from a, a run game standpoint. And then the Falcons went full Falcons. Now, you want to give the Chargers credit for making the comeback and putting themselves in a position to win. I do believe that that was a, a contributing factor to this. But the Falcons made a lot of mistakes when I was watching this game. And none loomed larger than the Falcons going full Falcons. And again, you can say it's the the Lions going full Lions. You used to be able to say the Saints going full Saints, the Jets going full Jets, etc. You get a fumble when a team's going in to score. It's picked up by a defensive lineman or a linebacker. And he's returning it. And he goes to juke out a player and just fumbles. It's recovered by the Chargers. They end up getting in the field goal range and winning with a walk-off field goal. The Falcons are just, they're the Falcons. I say they were going to win this division because I was under the impression that they would just earn such a lead. And if you get, you know, that's going to be a mean com- comment. Sometimes you got to catch yourself on the fly. If you had two teams actually show up Late in games, meaning with under a minute to go, if two teams did the right stuff, the Falcons would have a two-game lead over the NFC South. Here's the right stuff. You ready? Hey, I'm a linebacker who's not used to having the ball. I'm excited. You know what I'm going to do? I will try to return this, but I'm going to put two hands on the ball, especially if I go to make a move. They don't fumble there. I think that they get in the field goal range, and Young Wei is a hell of a kicker, and they end up kicking the game-winning field goal. 
Okay, so now they're five and four. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which we'll get to later. But basically, if you watched that game, because it was America's game of the week, you watched the most pathetic defensive display on that last drive I've ever seen in my NFL watching life. Not because I've seen worse defense played. You have one of the greatest football players of all time on defense. And one of the top 10 to 15 players in the entire NFL on that defense. And one of the top 20 to 25 defensive players in the entire NFL on that defense. Those are three different guys I'm naming. And they let them drive that field with the stupidest defensive scheme. If I was playing on that defense, I'd tell my coach, you're an idiot. We're playing this. I would have communicated that. No, we can't do this. I would have called a timeout. There's no way we're doing this. This is stupid. This is stupid. But I digress. Back to this game. Falcons, Falcons, Chargers. Congratulations on getting the win because honestly, they're scheduled down the stretch, which doesn't seem tough in the preseason. Now it can get tougher because honestly, I don't think that they're that good of a team. I just don't think the Chargers are that good of a team. Just period. They're going to have to prove it. They're proving it by getting wins, but I just don't think they're good. Sorry. Moving on to the next game. Now, this one was entertaining, and I had to actually rewatch the uh, highlights, and I want to actually watch the full game again because I watched parts of it as I tried to navigate watching multiple games. But hell, this was a good game. Dolphins at Bears. I would not have expected this, and if I was predicting the score, I probably would have said Dolphins end up winning this one. Um, Entertaining. 27-21 27-21 or 27-20. I think the Dolphins would end up winning. They ended up winning 35-32. And I am so happy for both quarterbacks that are in this game. Now, let me just get on my soapbox real quick with this one. Because again, when you're Trevor Lawrence, and this has less to do with what you think I'm talking about than it does about how people approach stuff. If you're Trevor Lawrence, people believed in you from jump. And you're in a safe location like Jacksonville. He's supported through thick and thin. He's supported. If you're a guy like a Zach Wilson, you were supported from jump, but you're in a market in New York. You're not supported. It's a tougher scenario. Enter these two guys where one guy had a moniker of tank for Tua. And everyone was out on Tua. I was not ever, ever out on Tua. And I think that he was going to be good in this offense because it was designed for him. And he's played better than even I thought. He leads the NFL in total QBR, by the way, folks. Not Josh Allen. Not my guy, Patrick Mahomes. Not anyone else. Tua leads the NFL in total QBR. For those of you all who don't know, that assesses all aspects of the game and how a quarterback contributed to wins and losses. And yes, for I'm going to keep repeating this. Some guy tried to tell me in a sports group that it's only including passing. And I said, no, that's quarterback rating. And he said... You don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, cool. There's this cool wiki page you can refer to if you don't know what the hell you're talking about. But never mind. I'll let stupid people be stupid. Um, So what it means is that Tua costs his team less than any other player playing the position. Another way to say that is Tua is doing the most at the position to help his team win. Now, I like the second or the first, the former, because there are some guys who have more on their plate than Tua does like Josh Allen, like Patrick Mahomes, like Lamar Jackson. But I digress. Tua is doing the most with what he's been asked to do. And he's balling. Okay? Other guy, Justin Fields. I said it on the Fantasy Football Friday special that I did earlier today. 
square peg, round hole, idiot moves by guys who are just trying to do smart things, but sometimes you're too smart for your own good. And guess what? Again, kudos to the coaching staff. They realized we are screwing up. What does Justin Fields do at this stage of his career? We can work on the other stuff we want him to do later. The dude's 22 damn years old. Oh, he does this well, that well. And that game was beautiful. If you thought he played well in the Patriots Monday night game, and especially in the second half, please find this on NFL Network and watch. This young man was the best player in the entire NFL this past Sunday. That's inclusive of everyone who played, and that's even inclusive of Patrick Mahomes. And why was he the best player? Because there wasn't any sort of situation or expectation or things that were offered to him that are like Travis Kelsey or Andy Reid or any of this stuff. It's not that, not the winning culture. The young man did the job. This was an excellent game of two guys who are on the rise, and I'm glad for them because tough market in Chicago for that young man to be playing in. And then Miami is not as tough of a market, but people were so down on Tua that I'm just glad that they both got a chance. And at the end of the day, Miami's a dangerous team. They're, they're dangerous for the playoffs, especially if they have to play against a team that doesn't have the requisite cornerbacks, which is usually no one has those. But also, even with the cold weather thing, I think people make too big of a deal of the cold weather thing. And here's what I mean. If your team is designed to have people be hard hitters, that was a different era of the NFL. Things are so clean now because of the rule sets that you don't have that. So guys like Tyree Kill that might not have been as effective in, let's say, the mid-90s the, the mid because of how the rules were set up differently, they get to run free now. You don't want to be chasing Tyree Kill and Jalen Watt, even in cold days. And people are like, no, they'd rather play in warm conditions. True. Would you ever see uh, Kansas City in the, in the winter? Doesn't seem like it's warm. I think there was a game against the, what is it, was it the Titans? Where it was like nine degrees when they played them? I think Teron Davenport was covering that game. And do not get it twisted. When you can't feel your own hands, right? You know that it's not going to get the job done. But imagine being a player who has to catch a ball. Tyreek Hill was just fine. So all I'm saying is that whole winter stuff is overblown, um, I believe, for some of these guys. These guys are professionals. So anyway. And Chicago is a team you do not want to play. Are they going to make the playoffs? Not likely. But considering how bad the NFC is, there is an opportunity for them to sneak in with the seventh seed if they were to start going on a win streak. This is virtually the same record. I'm just reminding you all of this. This is off the top of my head. This is something that I just thought about. I'm looking at this three and six. I believe that the Washington formerly named team, which is now the Commanders, with Robert Griffin III, were like three and five or three and six, and they won a game on... Uh, Thursday, I think it was uh, Thanksgiving against uh, Dallas Cowboys or something like that. And they went on this winning streak, like six straight games and made the playoffs and won the division. This is, I'm telling you, this is one of those weird scenarios where I don't think they're winning the division. But if they made a run and got that seven seed, you do not want to play a guy like this. All right. I'll just leave it at that. Great game. Not so great game. Um, this one will be quick. Bengals, Panthers. Bengals finally ran the ball. Um, good Lord, Joe Mixon went off. Um, five touchdowns, amazing. P.J. Walker was benched. I feel bad because 
it's easy to say PJ Walker was playing uh, ahead of his skis and all this, and we knew he was going to come down to earth. I hate that because that's such a pessimistic view. Maybe PJ Walker will never be an NFL starting quarterback. Okay? PJ Walker also was undrafted. PJ Walker worked his tail off and was league MVP of another league. PJ Walker came in and after having to deal with an interim coach and deal with all these things that were surrounding him, PJ Walker, and, and, and his first start had to play against the Los Angeles Rams and Aaron Donald and Bobby Wagner and Jalen Ramsey. Came out and he beat Tom Brady and the Bucks. And then he played his tail off and they could have won against the Atlanta Falcons, but didn't. And he gets benched because they had to. PJ was probably down on himself. It's a blowout. You do not, you can't, at that stage, you just can't do those things. So they brought in Baker Mayfield, who honestly did not look great. In fact, he didn't even look good. Baker Mayfield just looked competent, which former number one overall pick, and I don't mean like 20 years ago. I mean five years ago. Shouldn't just look competent. So I'm not impressed with anything he put on tape. Uh, if he starts going forward, not a bad decision. But I would hope P.J. Walker still gets a chance. And again, Bengals, bangled, uh, usually used to mean bungled away something. But the Bengals bangled, which is they went to the Super Bowl last year. They look like a Super Bowl team again. They look like two different teams in different classes. This was the SEC team versus um, a directional conference, the Colonial Conference, something like that. And so it's an unfortunate situation, but I just, I don't like pessimistic views of people that aren't pessimistic. Again, I bang on Baker Mayfield, I've told you, because of accountability. And there's another guy that's coming up in this next game I want to discuss that lacks accountability, and he's too damn good at football, all-time great, to act like he acts. <laughs> Green Bay Packers lost to the Detroit Lions, 15-9. You heard me, 15-9. to Aaron Rodgers threw two red zone interceptions. One that was honestly, and I, I'm not saying this hyperbolically, I wouldn't have thrown that interception. I would have thrown a touchdown or an incompletion out of bounds. There is no chance for an interception. You can't short shoot that pass. Like the only two options are the ones I just said. You throw it to where it's only caught by the person who we're doing it with, or out of bounds slash incomplete. After they lost to, I believe it was the Giants, Aaron Rodgers had the gall to say that his teammate was wrong for being concerned. They haven't won a damn game since. And it's super easy to just keep giving Aaron Rodgers a pass. With great power comes great responsibility. I know that's an Uncle Ben quote or however he said it from damn Spider-Man. But it's freaking true. You don't blame the kids in the house when something's going wrong. You blame the damn parents. You don't blame the management staff in a company when morale's down and things are going wrong. You blame the damn CEO and the exec level. Aaron Rodgers, you're an all-time great who is commanding the most money per year ever for a quarterback. And you come on with this BS, oh, I want to go do I, why, it's trash, man, because your 
so comfortable with once in a while saying, you know, we got to do better. I have never seen Aaron Rodgers. You know what? I'm going to back this up. In the last five years, you tell me when you've seen Aaron Rodgers fall on the goddamn sword. When has he fallen on the sword? Peyton Manning would do that stuff. Drew Brees would do that stuff. Tom Brady does that stuff still. Aaron Rodgers doesn't fall on a damn sword because it's all about Aaron Rodgers. And it's pathetic. We need to stop making excuses for him. He acts like a narcissist. And it's annoying because we make all these excuses. Aaron Rodgers is pitiful this year. I wouldn't have him near my team. I wouldn't have him near my team. If I'm Green Bay, I actively look to move him. Even if another team wins, give me your first round picks. Just get him the hell out of my building. Because this is pathetic at this point. It is freaking pathetic. And I was going to actually recommend if I would have done a show last week. Because I'm like, okay, these two teams, I think it would vibe well. This guy's not playing well. This guy would be a good replacement. It follows the same situation that happened with their former uh, gold jacket wearing quarterback. Send Aaron Rodgers to the damn Jets. You get back Zach Wilson. You send Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. You get back Zach Wilson and some picks. If I'm the Jets, I would damn sure wouldn't take that. Robert Sala would have a physical discussion with that man if he came in there acting like, you know what, I'm going to move off this game. This just pisses me off. Congratulations to the Detroit Lions. And by the way, I did pick the Detroit Lions to win this game because I know what Aaron Rodgers is at this stage of his career, and none of it's good. Moving on to the next game, and one that is very both shocking and also the aftermath is shocking for different reasons. I expected the Indianapolis Colts to have a better game plan than what happened this week, which was the worst performance by an offense in three decades. 125 total yards of offense, nine sacks, defensive touchdowns given up, the Patriots bludgeoned them. Man, I feel bad for Sam Ellinger, but he's only in that position because you, the people who do assessments, selected Sam Ellinger. Nothing about his tape at Texas said that he should ever be an NFL quarterback of of regularity. Davis Mills is better than Sam Ellinger. And in my mind, it's not close. But you ended up starting. And you didn't have a game plan that looked anything. Sam Ellinger would have been running the damn read option. If that was me. A lot of jet sweeps, read options, keep this team off balance. Make sure that the Patriots... Screen game would have come from tunnel screens, all sorts of things that make Sam Ellinger get the damn ball out of his hands quickly, or declarative moves. And instead, they use the same game plan, basically, that they use with damn Matt Ryan. Guess who's not Matt Ryan? Sam Ellinger. So, the aftermath? Frank Reich got fired. I'm not going to say it was deserved, and I, I truly believe this in my gut. I said this to my group. Matt? Frank Wright didn't get fired because of this season. Frank Wright got fired for standing on the table for Carson Wentz. Now, I don't have any information to back that, but there's no other reason that Carson Wentz was there last year, especially when it sounded like ownership literally said to the masses, that wasn't our pick. Literally. Go look it up. It's insane, right? Okay. So he got fired for that. Now... There's going to be a lot of comments made about this, but I'm going to start this one off. And it might be a surprise to some of you because some of you all think I'm a race baiter and I really don't care if you think that without actually listening to me for the context. I don't think this is a racial thing at all because people are going to say they skirted the Rooney rule. Well, the Rooney rule is set up for permits. 
right? It didn't take into account interim, right? No one, not everything is so, such sinister with movement. You think they sat there and said, haha, we'll get him with the interim tag. Because guess what? Interim is only situational. You have to then have the interview at the end of the year, okay? So it's not to skirt the whole scenario. No, no, no. You still have to do other interviews. And this one definitely is not them trying to skirt the rules. They hired Jeff Saturday to be the head coach. And I'm going to sit here and say this. I heard no one at the mothership or anyone that I know who's come in contact with Jeff Saturday say a negative thing about that dude. They say he's real as hell and he's a really good dude. So congratulations to him. This is nothing to do with Jeff Saturday specifically. But what sense does this make at all other than being a PR stunt? And I'm being dead serious. It wasn't like Jeff Saturday was working in coaches camps. And I'm not saying that he hasn't done his due diligence. But Jeff Saturday wasn't doing this to be groomed to be an NFL head coach. Even Josh, even Josh McCown was doing more work to become a coach than Jeff Saturday. This feels like, and they could have done it differently. They could have brought him in. He was already working as a specialist with the team. They could have brought him in as a special advisor or some sort of title that was more conducive to him being what is going to be representative of this overturning, which is they needed someone who knew offensive line play, bring in a dude who's a six-time pro bowler, and part of your ring of honor and our all-decade team and really hell of a center back in the day, right? Bring him in. But there's so many pieces to the operations portion that occurs that it would have been better if they literally said, let's go get a dude who went 14-0 and and lost in a Super Bowl and Jim Caldwell to make sure the machine is oiled install a guy like Jeff Saturday underneath him because again this is not if Jeff Saturday comes in and kills it kudos to him again none but positives that I've heard about him but you know how big of a job that is for someone who's never done that that's freaking insane but whatever I'm hoping he's successful this seems like a dumpster fire waiting to happen I hope it's not because there's probably good people that are just trying to keep some semblance of their job and job security. This just feels wrong. And I don't care if Jeff Saturday was John Randall. It's not a racial thing. It's the fact that it's just a it it's just a figurehead scenario that it feels like and it's not even someone who has done anything close to it at least to my knowledge. So it feels this all feels bad. It all feels bad for me. Good luck to you, man. Good luck to you, Jeff Saturday, man. This, this this, all feels bad. They really should have considered a Jim Caldwell, someone who's familiar with the organization, the ownership group, all that stuff. And maybe there's bad blood and why he wasn't considered because, again, sometimes you shouldn't mess people over. And I'm not saying that's what happened. But maybe that's why that wasn't the bridge to. But yeah, awful game. Do not rewatch that one. If you want to rewatch a game that was played in uh, the NFL on Sunday, uh, rewatch that Bears uh, hosting the Dolphins game. That was a good one to watch. Here's an interesting one. And it was actually a pretty good game. Um, 
And it showed me something that was also on display in the late game. Late game. Uh, the Bills went on the road to the Meadowlands and lost to the Jets after being up 14-3. And here's what it showed me. Yo. Wow. Um, I almost put this up. I didn't want to tweet it because it's too long and I didn't feel like putting it to my you know, personal profile or anything like that. Um, I mean, Josh Allen played like crap. Second half, Josh Allen played like crap. There's no defending that. But that shouldn't be an indictment on Josh Allen and especially the people who want to be like, see, there it is. No, don't be that person. He's put enough on the tape now in a positive that him having some negatives, they're more so things that clean up than they are an indication of him being bad. This isn't, and I truly believe this, this isn't a Carson Wentz scenario where it's just like, Flash in a pan, right? You had all the coaching, all the things. And then, yeah, you always had someone great. Josh Allen, we it's well documented now about his journey. And he's worked his tail off to get to where he is. But like any quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, hell, Patrick Mahomes had bad games. We'll get to that later. The GOAT Tom Brady's had bad. All of us have seen bad games that have resulted in losses by teams that should have been dominant. The dude just, the Bills need to, the Bills have a 1% chance of winning the Super Bowl this year. And I truly believe that because I've watched the Bills this year. And you know why I say they have a 1% chance? Because when the rubber hits the road, the Bills do not adjust. They did the smoothest transition adjustment on the defensive side when they played the Chiefs. And that's why they won that game. Switching to half field man half field zone and knowing that the Chiefs are going to flood to one side and they forced a pick by Patrick Mahomes but on that offensive side I want to see the Bills do the following for just one game if you actually literally think you're good enough to win a Super Bowl because if you don't win a Super Bowl this year honestly I don't know when it will ever happen you got a fullback who's dynamic you got running backs uh, Devin Singletary used to run like a damn man possessed down at FAU when he was just running and it looked like I can't say what I want to say but the people who know know all I'm going to say is Etienne ran the same way or runs the same way anyway line up in normal well personnel line up Normal, 21 personnel. Line up in any of these personnel groupings that put bigger bodies on the field and run the ball and run normal play action out of it. I either want two tight ends and one back or one tight end and two backs. Hell, mix in for a drive, literally two tight ends into 22. If you don't do that, I can guarantee you, or at least I'll put a little bit of a hedge on it, 99% 99% chance that you won't win the Super Bowl. You probably won't even get to it. And that's what happened against the Jets. The Jets started getting pressure with their front four, blanketing on the back end. And we've talked about this. The best way to stop Josh Allen is to do that. It's also the best way to stop uh, Patrick Mahomes. We'll talk about that later. But that's what cost the Bills. The Bills were inflexible. They got to do that at some point this year. The next time they play the Dolphins, in fact, on purpose, that's what they need to do. 
That's just me saying that. Bills fans. Again, you all, some of you all think I'm a hater. I'm telling you, your team is way too talented to have let that happen yesterday. That happened because you all were hard-headed. Period. And the Jets, the smoke. They want the smoke. Congratulations to them. I did say some negatives about the Jets early in the year because the Jets have been the Jets since the Jets were Jets. Seriously, for the last like five years, you keep drafting all these good draft picks. It eventually either needs to show up or you're shit at your job. And it's starting to show up. That defense looks real. Having a number three overall pick, Quentin Williams, real. Having a number four pick this year, Sauce, real. Having Jermaine Johnson second. I think they got him traded up to like 28th or 29th, real. Having all of these pieces that are great football players and the scheme is fitting them, real. That defense is real. And on the offensive side, also a boatload of talent. And look what happens when Zach Wilson plays within himself. Dude, you're not Patrick Mahomes. Can you become Patrick Mahomes-esque? I think that's your ceiling-esque, not him. He's him. But I think you would have those moments. That's further down the road for you because you're not him. That dude, after a week where I watched him be an idiot at quarterback, went to playing some damn good football. Just smart. Not there, throw it away. Okay, get some yards with my feet. Cool. Now it's second and seven. Okay. Oh, look at that. Now it's third and two. We have the full playbook. Instead of being third and ten or just throwing it to the other team. I'm proud of what the Jets have done. And I'm a person who hated on the Jets because the Jets have never shown me anything to believe in them. Maybe they can be this year's, I don't think they will, but this year's Bengals, where the talent finally comes together and gels and they do a good job. I don't think they are going to do that because the Bengals got some some breaks last year, including Patrick Mahomes losing his mind in the second half of the AFC Championship. That's something that I do not want to relive or talk about. All right, moving on to the next game. This one's quick. Uh, Kirk Cousins revisited his old stomping grounds in D.C., well, basically in Virginia or wherever it's played, Maryland. I do not know, and right now, don't care to look it up. Uh, but the Vikings end up making a little comeback after being up 7-0. They go down 20-7, to I believe, and come back to beat the Commanders. Or, yeah, come back and beat the Commanders, 20-17. to um, Kirk Cousins. I said this on the last show, Fantasy Football Friday, when I was talking about how Kirk Cousins is effectively a guy who's moved into the category of he's not going to lose your games anymore. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo is below that. He's a guy who can lose your games because he effectively can't do some stuff or he'll just do something boneheaded. Kirk Cousins isn't doing that stuff. And kudos to him. He's not a guy that you're going to say, Kirk, we need you to go out and ball out. But he's a guy who can make some plays for you and he's got enough weapons around him. So good for him. Going back and showing the old organization, you know, that you've grown up and you're, you're doing a good job. I've talked a lot of crap and not negative about him as a person, but again, if you're in that category where you're literally losing games in big moments, and again, now we know throughout the season, they lost on that Monday night game, but they lost to the best team in the NFC, at least, if not possibly the NFL. I mean, it's still not, people want to say easily it's the Bills. I'll see the Eagles making those mistakes, but hey, who am I? All right, next game up, Raiders and the Jaguars. Uh, uh, one of my boys from high school hit me up. He asked me about a pick about this game. And I said, I'm taking the Jags. And he said, you don't think the Raiders will bounce back after getting shut out? And early on, it looked bad, right? And then the Raiders remember who they are, which is, it's really, I feel so bad for those players, 
especially Derek Carr. Derek Carr looks like a broken man half the time. This dude legit just sits on the sideline like, what did I do wrong? I'm a good guy who tries to play football. And the crappy portion is, what did he do wrong? They hired Josh McDaniels. Now, is that me saying Josh McDaniels is a bad guy? No, I don't think that's it at all. Does he not know football? No, that's not it either. I said this from having talked to certain people and also hearing things from people. I don't think that dude knows how to get his his points across. The communication stuff sometimes isn't the easiest thing for him. And sometimes people get rubbed the wrong way. Hell, I've literally been there. Trust me, especially when I was younger, you can have reasonable intentions, not try to be negative, sound negative, anything like that. And the way you communicate with people comes off wrong, whether it's abrasive or dismissive or whatever it is, right? And if you're unaware of that, it's called EQ, emotional intelligence. You can end up in a situation, and again, I'm saying this from experience, I've been there, where you're like, well, I'm not trying to be, you know, an a-hole or anything like that. I'm not even trying to be any sort of negative, but people are upset with you. Apparently, Josh McDaniels rubs people the wrong way. Not saying he's a terrible person, anything like that, although... What he pulled out on the Colts was still kind of awkward. But this is the second stint now. And the first one can be blamed on being young and not having the guys that you wanted and all this stuff. But it, you're out of excuses, man. This team is too damn good to be this bad. They are two and damn six. Now, I didn't think they were going to make the playoffs, but I thought they were going to lose close games and go eight and nine. I don't know if you made the eight wins this year. And oh, and five away. Like, Kudos to the Jaguars to holding on, but honestly, they shouldn't be proud of this yet. They gotta, they have to let this materialize, meaning they have to go on and they have to get a W. Like, you can't just win a game like this, make the comeback, and lose a game. They have to go and play good football next week in a tough one. They go to Kansas City. If they pull off the victory there, that's that big stuff. That's how you know the team grew up. If you just play it close and play a good game and you still lose... That's still good, but you got to go toe-to-toe. You can't win this game and then go out and lose by 21 next week. Can't do that. All right, those are all the 1 o'clock game slate games. Let's get on to these last couple of games before I get get to watch my Saints on Monday Night Football. All right. Now, we just talked about a team that's trying to build up and become that type of organization. We're moving on to another team that actually has become that organization, and kudos, I'm so proud of one of the quarterbacks in this game, and I'll get to the other quarterback. Geno Smith and the Seahawks visited the Cardinals. Now, I actually picked the Cardinals to win this because playing at home, got DeAndre Hopkins back. You're going to probably scheme some things up. The running backs are now healthy. I fell for the banana and tailpipe. And also, feel like I disrespected the Seahawks, who are a quality team. Literally, the Seahawks are a team that you don't want to play because the Seahawks are the team that honestly... I think they're better than they would be with Russell Wilson because mentally, when you have to play Russell Wilson, you might play up more than Geno Smith. And Geno's getting the good situation of being able to hide in plain sight this year because people still think Geno Smith's not good. Yo, keep thinking that. This team gonna murk you. Bucks. I, I wholeheartedly believe the Seahawks are gonna beat the Bucks in Germany because. They're not a fresh-faced organization. They have grown-ups. So that's usually what ends up ruining teams like that. 
This is a real team. Cardinals, Cardinals got to blow this thing up. Kirk, Cliff Kingsbury. I feel like Cliff Kingsbury is what is equatable to a really good offensive coordinator. He doesn't seem like he can actually do the job. Now, people think that's hate. I'm not calling for the man to lose his job. What he's put on tape is calling for that. Offense looks incomplete. You got a quarterback that, yeah, he has his issues. But it almost looks like, it it feels and looks like they just go do stuff. Like, just go do stuff. No one's on the same page. Like, it's confusing how this offense is so bad. And the defense is connected to the offense because the offense is three and out disjoint it, turn the ball over, have a long drive, then another three and out, another three and out. It's disjoint it. So this team just looks bad. The Seahawks are the exact opposite. Their, their defense is trending in the positive direction. Keep this in mind. There was only one player that was a legit pick from the Legion of Boom. And it's probably not the people you're thinking about because this guy fell off because of his own personal issues. No, it's not Cam Chancellor, who I think was like a fifth round pick. Wasn't Richard Sherman, who was either a fifth or sixth round pick. Wasn't uh, Browner, who I I know he went to Oregon State, but can't remember what round he went in. It was Earl Thomas. You know, that that four or five star athlete going to Texas who was a heat-seeking missile, and he was a first-round pick. But the other dudes weren't. And now their first-round pick is down for the season, and these young dudes are eating out there. Jokers are eating. That defense looks good. It doesn't look like the best defense in the NFL or even top five. But you don't need that. You can have a uh, number 11, 12, or 13 defense with the way this offense plays, and that's a tough out. That is a damn tough out. And if you got to go to Seattle in that first game, I don't care who the hell you are. You could be Dallas and end up being pissed off because this team got three seed. I'm trying to think of how the logistics would work behind this. Yeah, no, the logistics could work out. The Giants could end up with the four seed, I mean the five seed. You get the six seed as Dallas. Or San Francisco gets the look. Don't 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 catch this team in a bad situation where they're the three seed and you got to go to Seattle to play. You do not want that smoke. Going to move on to the next game in the same division as far as these two teams play with the Rams having traveled out to the east side of the country to play on the west side of Florida. Keep up. Um, The Rams played the Buccaneers. And what was, to be honest, I think this was the game that decides the fate of the Rams. And this sounds like the dumbest thing possible, right? Let me hit you the game. The Rams just won a Super Bowl. You don't think Sean McVay is above reproach, right? What if Sean McVay just says, I'm tired of this? See, you think that it goes one way. So you might fire him. They're three and five right now. They're in the season at six and eleven or seven and ten. Team might fire him. No. Sean McVay might just say, Man, bump this. And guess what team is opening up a position? New Orleans Saints will not have the same head coach next year unless something amazing happens. They go on a great run and end up going to the Super Bowl or something like that. Dennis Allen will not be the head coach next year. I can promise you that. There are other situations 
that don't have the same draft hell. And the Saints have their own draft hell, but I'm just saying there are other situations that exist out there that, good goodness, this one is not necessary. Aaron Donald, who was already contemplating retirement, the season keeps going this way, that man might sit it down. He has had a first ballot gold jacket career already. He does not need anything else from y'all. Jalen Ramsey, for the money, they might trade him away. And the way things are going, he might want to leave anyway. And you got short-term deals on guys like Wagner, right? This could go south real quick. The Rams could be over within 700 days of winning Super Bowl. Because I don't think any of this is going to happen at the end of the season. Other than maybe Aaron Donald going. He might retire. But good Lord. I don't know, it just flashed. P.J. Walker will start on Thursday night. I think that that's the, the right move. It was having a bad night. Worst case scenario, you do have a former number one overall pick as the backup if he needs to come in. But that's the right move in my opinion. But to finish up this game, the Buccaneers, and I made this quote, and I'm just going to say it. I'm going to paraphrase what I said. And it's, it's a quote from me, so I'm able to get away with this. Basically, I'm saying I started out talking about myself. I wasn't born or bred to be a loser. Because losers, they look for someone else to help them win. They look for the opposition to screw up. They look for uh, the time to run out on the clock if they're playing the game. They look for everything to come to them with ease. They don't go take it. And the Rams play like losers. Now you got dogs on that team. Aaron Donald's damn sure a dog. Cooper Cup. I think he's a dog. Jalen Ramsey. I think he's a dog. Bobby Wagner's a dog. They got dogs on that team, right? What I watched was an offense that went to the Super Bowl plays so scared. And everyone who's getting on Cooper Cup for the slide and all that, I'm like, look, I think he would have rather died forward. But looking at that, if he tries to die forward there, he dies out of bounds. The slide was the only thing to keep him in bounds because he had to stop his momentum to push up the field and then go. If he tries to do that and dives in, get hit, fumble the ball, anything like that, the slide was fine. The third down call was garbage. You don't have a better option on that. Like I would even, I would have even dialed up the following play. I would have dialed up a flea flicker, anything. And just, if it's not there, Stafford, go to the ground. Anything except that running straight into the Bucks' freaking line. Pathetic. Just pathetic. All of it was pathetic. Um, and then the defense, I felt partially like the defense gave up. Now, I don't like to say that with guys that play like that. But I don't understand what the coverage was. I, I, I don't understand it. They would have been, they would have done better playing straight up man coverage. Like the whole time. Because guys wouldn't have got out of bounds. But off zone, giving free sidelines at like 10 yards, 12 yards. Not even giving the free sideline at like 5 yards. It's insane that that all happened the way that it happened. So I, I, I don't know what that was. And yeah, as a Saints fan, I wanted the Bucks to lose for our chances. But to be honest, I don't think it really mattered. Um, because what's going to happen here is 
for the Saints to win a division anyway. They have to go to Tampa and beat the Bucks. So this game literally almost didn't even matter. I mean, it does, but it doesn't. And for the Rams, they got some soul searching to do. If I'm Kroenke, I might instruct my people to tear this down next year. If Aaron Donald is the hinge on which this is all built. If he decides to return next season, you can't tear it down. But if he doesn't, you got to tear this down immediately. Like, it's not even a question. Immediately. And then the last game on the slate is one that I want to get to and get out of the way so I can watch my Monday night football game. Um, Kansas City Chiefs hosted the Tennessee Titans. And the Tennessee Titans, there's a saying that LSU fans have, and it's a general SEC thing. Uh, Auburn, Auburn's its way to, to victories. Like, Auburn will do this Auburn-style stuff to make sure that you don't score and they don't try to score. And all of a sudden, uh, a team that scores 50 points a game loses to Auburn 16-14. to 14. Well, Tennessee, Tennessee is their way to victories. And it's not shade. Like, I believe that teams are built in the, mo- in the mold, for the most part, of their head coach if their head coach is worth a damn. And what I mean by that is, look at the guys who are head coaches who are worth a damn like we can talk about Zach Taylor and I'm gonna throw him under the bus right quick it might sound like I don't have any personal issue with him but I don't think the Cincinnati Bengals are good because of Zach Taylor I just don't I really do think they're good because they're talented and they have Joe Burrow at quarterback surprise but look at the other ones what team always plays good defense is gritty and they're in every game except a couple this year because of all the stuff going on Pittsburgh Steelers what team has annoyingly ugly offense, but somehow their defense, no matter what players they have on it, is always good. Oh, that would be the New England Patriots. What team sits there and is pretty as hell, it's always innovative, it's cool, no matter who's playing quarterback? Oh, that would be, because again, this is back, going back to Michael Vick and going back to Donovan McNabb. That would be uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, and it would be Andy Reid, because that's the guy he is. Guess what Mike Vrabel is? Mike Vrabel is an ex-linebacker who is a damn good dude, um, and that's why they win these close games. These dudes believe all in each other. And when I did my preseason thing, I hated it because there were switch games like this one, or switch games like Buffalo game, which they actually lost. I had them splitting with the Colts because I thought the Colts weren't morons. But I had them going either 8-9 and nine or 9-8. and eight. I believe it was 8-9. and nine. And people were like, oh, there's no way they're doing it. I'm like, look, I don't believe that they're going to go this. I didn't try to mold this. If I had to predict it, I'd say 10-7 and seven or 11-6. and six. So that's what they're doing. They're still Mike Frable in their way to victories in general. But... They had some limitations. I believe that they lose this game even with Ryan Tannehill. In fact, I think that part of the reason that this game got open is because Malik Willis's legs allow for more space for Derrick Henry to actually do stuff. Ryan Tannehill is not doing that in this stage of his career. But Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, their way to victory. And what was really frustrating about it, I believe it was 24 straight pass plays called. Look, man, I know Clyde Edwards-Alaire hasn't worked lived up to the, the first round pick. I know that Jarek McKinnon is not your prototypical running back. I know that Isaiah Pacheco might have some issues with uh, pass pro. But at some point in time, any point in time, think about it like this. 
McKinnon was a good enough running back in Minnesota and in San Francisco, right? Okay. Um, Clyde Rosalier has to have some level of talent, right? And he was definitely good in pass pro LSU. Um, otherwise, we would have taken him in the first round. And Pacheco runs legitimately like he hates everyone else on the opposition. You couldn't mix one or two runs in there, especially when they were doing four-man or sometimes three-man rush, but generally four-man rush, and they were trying to get wide, and then sometimes they wrap a guy inside. Couldn't run a draw with a Pacheco. I understand why you didn't run it with McKinnon. McKinnon honestly does not look like he... I don't know what the hell he's doing now. He does not look... He wants to be a wide receiver at this stage. But you couldn't put a a layer in there or Pacheco to just run at them. To at least just hit him. Because Tennessee was just out-physicaling you after the first, like, two drives. They out-physicaled you for almost three periods. Like, they had to go to overtime and have some Hail Mary type stuff happen and Mahomes magic. Anyway, Tennessee's going to Tennessee their way to victories. They're going to win that division. And that's another team you do not want to play. You don't want to play Seattle. You don't want that smoke. You damn sure don't want that Tennessee smoke. Tennessee could honestly end up being the team that pisses everyone off and ends up messing up their dream matchup of Mahomes versus Allen in the AFC Championship. So those are all the games this week, folks. I've done almost one full hour. I've gotten to rant, rave, and talk about all the games. I will be coming back for Weekside Wednesday. I have more topics. I want to discuss a lot of stuff, including college football. My LSU Tigers getting that one-point victory over Alabama. Uh, Roll the hell out of town, Todd. Uh, Bye. Uh, to you but yeah I'm gonna go deeper into to depth on that and also the college football playoffs now there's some stuff to actually talk about in college that I'm interested in and maybe you're interested in so for the chopping it up with CJ podcast make good Mondays this is Chris James signing off take care enjoy tonight's game and I hope we don't get blown out who that but I'm also rooting for Lamar Jackson to look good too take care bye bye <laughs>